0: We're going to pray, and we'll get into our, our passage today. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. I thank you, uh, Lord, for this uh, this church. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done here uh, since I have been here over the course of 15 years. And as we uh, take today to sort of reflect and uh, sort of look to you uh, about who we are as a church and where we're going, we pray that you would lead us and guide us, and it's in Christ's good name I pray. Okay. I'm going to read a passage here today. Normally we have sort of an annual celebration, sort of looking at the church. So if you're visiting, this is like you get to see under the hood, sort of kick the tires. We haven't done this for the last couple of years because we've been sort of in, in, uh, uh, battle mode with COVID, just trying to like figure out what we're happening. Um, a lot of stuff has changed in the last two years, uh, just the, the, the composite of our church. And so it's good, I think for us to sort of step back and go, what's the purpose of the church? It's good for me. This always falls on sort of the anniversary that our family was called up here. Um, th- on May 20th, it was the 15-year anniversary of our coming, which is hard to believe that we've been up here for 15 years. And it's always good for me just to say, like, why am I here? Am I here because, God, you still want me here? I'm not going anywhere. I really feel, like, more called here, so for good or bad. Um, like, I, r- I really do feel like God has us here, and we're we're thankful for this church. And so today is just um, just to sort of look at sort of the history of the church, and some of you are a lot of people are new over the last two years, and so just to sort of learn about our history and how our family got here, and and sort of our heart and sort of uh, vision and and philosophy of ministry. Um, so, the passage here is First Timothy chapter three, verse fourteen. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of this, the, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who is revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world taken up in glory. And Father, we do thank you uh, for this great passage. We thank you, Lord, that your word gives us instructions for how we are to be the church. Uh, Father, we thank you for your spirit that indwells each individual. We thank you for him that leads us, guides us, convicts us. Uh, Father, we thank you for this passage that reminds us uh, that Jesus is the founder of the church and is the, the head of the church, and so we look to you, Lord, uh, as a as a congregation, that you would lead us and guide us, uh, shepherd us uh, into the future. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Okay, today's I, I always feel anytime I depart from just teaching the Bible, it's always sort of like a it's a un, it's an uncomfortable not uncomfortable it just is different. It's like a different sort of of teaching. I'm used to just kind of going through a book of the Bible. And so we're gonna we have the Bible passage. We're, there's going to be a couple of Bible passages along the way, but re- really the, the journey here is to, just to introduce you to Grace Point Church, um, let you know about us, what we care about, sort of the history. And so my family's journey um, to this church really began with conversion to Christ. Um, and so as I became a Christian, as I started reading the Bible, it led me to Bible college. Not, Gunner wasn't really a smart man, I didn't really see the dots that Bible college would lead me to being a pastor. I just wanted to know more about the Bible. Through that journey, I met Anna. We got married. And we really, as we got married and started our lives together, our hearts were really that that God would use us and that we wanted to live in a significant way for Him wherever that led us. And so transitioning from the Navy into life and ministry, we really didn't know where we were going to go. We interviewed with SIM, which is a, a, a missions agency in Africa. They said I wasn't cleared for like all of the countries in Africa because of my background as a Navy SEAL. They said I could go to Ghana in South Africa, but they couldn't send me to the rest of the country. They said everything that made me a great Navy SEAL made me a terrible missionary in Africa. So I'm, a, I'm not sure if that was a compliment or a dig but we felt like we we were willing to go, and then we started looking at planting churches. We had a big offer to plant a church in Little Italy downtown, and and the, I just didn't feel like God wanted wanted us there, um, to to just not knowing. And I was I got to the point where I'm like Anna, I just need to go down a road. And so we're like we're gonna this this organization, village missions to rural places in America and and uh, Canada. Let's just go down that path, and if God wants us to stop, he'll stop us. And Anna's like, oh, brother. Like, I mean, like the towns that this this agency go to are towns like Buttonwillow, like off of the 99 in the middle of nowhere. And Anna grew up in a big town in Spain, and so it was not something that she wanted to. I kind of came to the end of my rope enforcing God's hand, and I called the president of my seminary, Uh, Dr. Coombs. And I said, Dr. Coombs, can I come visit with you and just have you pray for me? And he's like, I'd love that. Come to my office. I show up to his office. And he's like, hang on, I have to make a phone call real quick. So I'm just sitting there in the president of the seminary's classroom or his his office. He calls somebody and he's like, hey, you guys still without a pastor? And and I can hear the, yeah, we don't have a pastor. He's like, I got your guy right here. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are like (laughs) And so he was talking to somebody at this church, uh, that was about to go under. Shadow Mountain Church was looking at this as a satellite location, but the church said that they wanted a a real pastor. Um, not, you know, not that David Jeremiah is not a real pastor, but they wanted a, a physical pastor, I should say. And, and so we decided that we would drive up here and sort of see the property. We'd never been to Valley Center. I grew up kind of in San Diego. We got up here, we saw the property. Amazingly, um, both of us felt like that God was calling us here. And so we, we walked around the building a couple times. Some lady came out of the woodwork to yell at us. She since moved away. I forget her name, but she was a truck driver and there was a lot of problems. So, so now me and Melanie are that lady at the church. Hey, what are you doing here? Like, what are you? And, uh, and so we didn't play our cards to her, but we really felt like God was calling us here. It was a super fearful time and, and an exciting time. And so uh, we we felt like God was calling us here, and we started going down the this, this path. And it wasn't like salary was on the table. It wasn't like anything, like this was a church that was about to go under. And so we, by faith, sort of came up here. There was a bunch of outside supporting uh organizations and churches that were, came alongside. And the next picture here is us being prayed over at the chapel, um, being sent out. And it uh, kind of gets me emotional um, to see that because we had no clue what we were doing. like We had zero clue of like what we were getting into. So Ann and I had, um, if that was 2007, we'd been married about five years. I had just been out of the Navy. I had no idea what life apart from the Navy looked like. And so they they prayed over us. They sent us out. This was a Sunday before we left to come up here. So that would have been um, like like May thirteenth, I think, of two thousand and seven, uh, because it was on May twentieth that the church here of the eight people that were here, or whatever, said we want you as our pastor. Um, we. As I look at this picture, I remember thinking that our prayer wasn't that we would just plant a church, but that God would allow us to really, to plant our lives somewhere. Because as I looked at, uh, as we looked at churches and, and men who had an impact on the kingdom of God, it seemed like there were individuals who committed to being at a location for a long season of their life, um, through the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows of people's life. And so we, um, we are just deeply grateful that it seems that God has done that for us as we've crossed over 15 years of, of being here. Um, sort of the life of, of this church. Um, it's been difficult to sort of do the forensics of, 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 Grace Point Church and, and like it's history. It's just sort of lost in time. Um, so I have picture number two is the oldest picture that I've been able to find of the church. Um, the church is, was founded officially, if not, it existed unofficially for a number of years, sort of at the post office on Old Road um, or near that location. But in 1947 is like the oldest history that we have of the church, like legally existing. This was a building that was behind Fat Ivers. I think there's some old timers. Roger, do you remember this building? Like Roger's an old timer. Like I'm trying to go to the oldest Valley Center people I know. Like, does it, yeah. Robert remembers the building. You remember the building. Like so, so like this is just this is like the. old, I don't even think this isn't 1947. I think this is like in the 60s, um, around the 90s. Um, the church, the church, identified this piece of actually identified the lower lot property. They bought the lower lot property, and the owner gave them this property. I don't know if gave them meant that he gave it to them or he sold it to them but they thought that this location was better. So this was in about the mid-90s that we got this. As I look at the, at the history of this church, super difficult to sort of identify all of the, the ins and outs of, of the history of the church. Um, some stats on, on just churches in general. Um, statistically, pre-COVID, it was something like 11 churches per day closed. Um, that's 4,000 churches a year have been closing their doors in the United States. Um, many haven't closed but are are spiritually dead. They might exist, but they don't uh, exist. Um, And through COVID, a number of churches have closed their doors permanently. They just haven't survived. As far as this church goes, I'm the 20th pastor of this church in its 75-year history. Um, I am the longest-running pastor at 15 years. The, The pastor that's behind us is George Farrington, who Gideon carries George's name. Uh, George was here uh, when I first got here. Some of you knew George. Who knew George and Evie? There's some handful of people here. Super special uh, uh, people. Um, uh, George was here for nine years. As I look at the history of pastors over the course of 75 years, most were here like six months, nine months. Some made it like four years, five years. Um, and it makes me sad of the history because it's the sort of the, the reality of what most churches are in the United States, that most pastors have a tenure of like three or four years and they, they, they move on. I think it speaks to the difficulty of actually leading a church and, and thriving. And so I am super thankful um, that God has given our family the conviction to be here and to stay through the highs and the lows um, it, it's a difficult thing. And I'm not saying there's anything special about me or Anna. And I don't even think that you can know your calling until you're in the fight. And there's something about a calling when you can't quit, when you like, really want to quit, um, that I think God gives. And so, um, picture number three is early on. I am so, I'm so blessed that, uh, that Dolores is here today because Dolores is in this picture. Um, she's right here. And, and Pete is there, so I hope it's not too hard to see Pete today. Pete passed away a few years ago. Um, I don't know what you guys see when you look at this picture, but this picture is super awesome to me. So this was, this was Easter of 2008. This was our like first Easter here. And man, we were thriving. We had a whole bunch of new, like seriously, we had a whole bunch of new people. Um, like Pete and Dolores weren't here when I came here; they were newcomers and and i and uh, and uh, a lot of the people have gone to be with the Lord in this picture. What you guys may or may not see is this this little angel right here that's grace and uh, so it was me, Anna, and Grace. She was about a year old and and when I look at this picture, it's super special because the reality is is like I I had no idea what I was doing as a pastor. Like, I was a Navy SEAL, and I became a pastor, and these people took a chance on us. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. And, and so I'm super thankful that the group of these, these, these elderly people early on said, you're going to be our pastor. Dolores, like, I'm so glad that you're here today. From day one, like, I'm not a guy that likes titles, but she absolutely refuses to call me anything other than Pastor Gunner. She's like, I need to show you respect, and I need the church to know that you're our pastor, and, and uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, George and Evie, the next picture. Um, as I look at the people who are here, um, so George in the ball cap, um, super faithful man, and Evie too. She, she was full of all sorts of spice. She was from New York, and the New Yorker never left her. Um, I remember early on getting here and saying, we're going to take it really slow in the restart process. And she, like, grabbed me with her eyes. Thankfully, I was out of striking distance. But she said, brother, we're dying. Like, we're dying. We want to see what God is going to do before we go. And so when I look at these, these people, like George and Evie, and, and those that were there in the beginning, um, they, Prayed for all of you who are in the seats. They desired for this church to have an impact in our community. They desired that this church would be faithful to the word of God. And, and, uh, it's beautiful. And I, and for me to, to be here today, they're all with the Lord. But for me to say that these people don't sort of, uh, motivate me daily, like I made some commitments to the people and, and, uh, they're, uh, I, in the in the Hebrews chapter twelve, there's this picture of the saints that have gone on before you, sort of cheering you on, and they very much are in my uh, for like background of thinking, and and so I'm I'm thankful for these individuals. I'm thankful for them willing to go outside of their comfort zone, their desire uh, to see this church stay alive when it was literally on the brink of of closing its doors down permanently. Um. So sort of the next season that I want to talk about is the last two years. So the last two years, COVID and the church. You can go to the next slide. We, I'll get all emotional if I keep looking at George and stuff. Um, I, I, um, so you guys probably don't believe it, but in seminary, there's no class how to lead a church through um, COVID or through, like, shutting down. So there, it's like navigating through the pandemic was difficult. When I look back two years ago, it's we're it just past the two year anniversary of I got a call on Thursday and then another church pastor said, "Hey, what are you going to do this week?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? What are we going to do?" Like I, I know there's a thing going on in China, but that's we're going to of course we're going to meet. <laughs> I had no idea what the next two years would bring. Thank God I didn't know what the next two years would bring. Um, but through that journey, as I look back, I'm super thankful for just a handful of individuals. We, we didn't do one Sunday, um, but then the next Sunday, cross connection church, the pastor's there. I know them and saw them at Costco. They're like, hey, we're all set up for the cameras. We'll be, we'll film. We'll just come on down and we'll take care of everything for you. Super blessed by like the, the connection of, of the churches like in our area to, to really care for one another and help one another, um, during these times. Um, I think of Don, uh, started with Don, uh, you know, he had a job where he could continue to work at at location. And so he would take his lunch break, come down, be filmed on camera to do worship. Then Daniel joined in and then Robert, of course, did the announcement. Everybody loved, like during that time when Robert started doing announcements on the computer, uh, the feedback from the church was like man now it feels like home having robert greet us on sunday mornings um the arnolds as things went along as we moved outside like we couldn't have done like i mean obviously god can do whatever but what god did during our time when we went outside was the arnold family uh during a very stressful and difficult time as we needed to move outside robert's like man i've never been at a church where there was a budget so i got all ki- i got a garage full of sound equipment I'll come up, take care of everything. I'm like, you're, you're messing with me? That's my typical response. He's like, no, no, I'll come set everything up. And, and uh, super uh, beautiful. <clears throat> then there was Melanie. I know she's in Sunday school. I've got her permission to talk behind her back. Uh, but as COVID happened, it was a super like concerning time. For, every, for everybody, it was concerning for for those of us who are on staff and we, like, provide for our family through the church, it's like, well, what are we going to have, like, what are we going to do? And I remember sitting down with Melanie, and Melanie, just like, hey, what is, like, what is the absolute minimum that you need? Like, let's start planning and bracing for the storm. We have savings, but we care about the staff first and foremost, so we'll, like, just figure out the storm. And, and just talking with her, and she's like, well, everything I do is, like, gone now because, like, like, we, we're not meeting, and it's like, no, 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 we'll figure out something for you to do. And, and so then we navigated through that, and it's like, Melanie, what I need you to do is I need you just to start calling around everybody from the church. You just come to the church, pick up the phone, and call, and if there's a problem, let me know, and then I'll call the individual, because I got wrapped up in doing the Gunners, Grams, and all of the, the stuff there. And so Melanie has been a huge blessing to this body. She's been at the church as a as a as a, as, a, as a member for ten years, and she's been on staff for the last eight years. Um, I can't imagine uh, leading this church without her. I mean, she's a she's a huge, huge blessing, um, and uh, I feel like I have to acknowledge like the painfulness of the last two years. Um, there was a there. I would be lying to you if I said that the last two years was easy. Um, I would be lying to you if I, if I told you that I never thought about quitting during the last two years. Um, like there were certain t- times of like daydreaming about throwing in the towel, leaving, going working for UPS, my dream job, you know, like, <laughs> like, I like UPS is what I, the guy just drops off boxes. I, I mean, no offense if you're a UPS guy. You wake up early. You have what you have to do. You deliver all the boxes. Everybody loves to see the UPS driver. And then at the end of the day, you know, you delivered your boxes. Like, you know, like it's a very clear, you do this. There's, there's satisfaction at the end of the day. But God like wouldn't like let me go to UPS because he had me here. There, there was a morning in particular where I was here early. Melanie came in the door. like bawling. Like I thought that she was going to tell me that her dad died. And it wasn't her dad. It was somebody from the church had hurt her because they were upset because we weren't doing whatever or whatever. And there was a lot of that. There's a lot of turnover there. There has been a lot of falling away. Um, There's been pressure on us to, to, to move towards, social justice. There's been pressure on us to get more uh, political in nature. Um, there's just been pulls to do this and that. And, and I, as long as I'm the pastor here, my focus is going to be the scriptures, that, that we will teach the word of God. We're not going to get wrapped up in the shifting sands of whatever humanity thinks that we need to be focused on. Humanity is lost. God has revealed to us what we need to know. His word is as relevant today as it was two thousand years ago. And so, the the part of the painful season that, as as a pastor, I, like I I want you to know that if this is your church, um, know that we like love for you and care for you like as a family member. And and none of us are are perfect, but I can tell you that my heart. And Melanie's heart, like we're not here just playing games. This isn't just some job. This is something that we deeply believe that God has has called us to. So my dream job is UPS. I, I know I'd get bored there, but I. But clearly, Melanie's is working at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <clears throat> so because during one of our low spots, about like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to survive, and I don't. And she's like. She's like, I don't care about the paycheck. She's like, if I have to go get a job at Trader Joe's, I'll go get a job at Trader Joe's, but I need you to know that I'll still be here. And, and so that's that's Melanie's heart. She Trader Joe's? I don't know if I want Trader Joe's. I want UPS. <laughs> the point, we're not playing games. We really believe that God has called us here that, that God has us here because he's doing a work in our lives. He desires us to serve and to, to fulfill his great commission, to enable you and empower you all in what, you, um, what God's called you to do. And so in the midst of the difficult times the last two years, at the same time, the last two years has been super beautiful. Um, there's been a pruning and a refining process that apart from COVID, we couldn't have experienced, I don't think. Like, I think that God used COVID in a real way, in a meaningful way. And I'm at the place now where I am genuinely thankful for the last two years and all that God has done. Um, I would do COVID over again today because of the, the things that I've seen through COVID, people getting serious about God, people coming to faith in Christ, uh, really sort of evaluating what matters in life. Um, pre, I hate to break this to you, but pre-COVID, like, death existed. Like, death was already there. Like, that's, that's been a, a, a very real thing. And I do think that there's a beauty in going through these trials and these difficulties because as you go through the valleys and you stick them out, there's a beauty that sort of blossoms that, that couldn't have come apart from the trial. Through COVID, my conviction, uh, and consequently, like which is the church's conviction, is I do think that my my calling and conviction to teach the Bible faithfully is stronger now than it ever has been before. Um, my conviction is to love you all well. Um, I am a sinner. Breaking news: no, Nobody said like uh, it's okay. To, I'm, I'm a sinner. Amen. Like we, like, I'm gonna miss the mark. I'm gonna, I am gonna miss the mark. I'm gonna fail you. I cannot do everything that I desire to do. I forget to call people. I forgot to forget to text people. I forget to do such and such. I think, you, like, I drop the ball all the time. I am not perfect. But my aim is to love well. My aim is to teach and to be an individual that is transparent, that is real, that is genuine. And not to keep people at arm's length. I see pastors all the time that, as they interact with people, they get hurt by the people, and then there's an inclination to pull away and to keep people at arm's length and not to open up. And I refuse to do that. Like I refuse. Like if I get to the point where I get so callous that I'm not gonna get dirty with the sheep, that's you. Like it's time for me to step down. And so there are seasons of pain, but the reality is, is is God has called me to be a shepherd amongst the flock and to to do the best that I can do by His leadership to to give my life and to participate and to have genuine, meaningful relationships with you all, and that that means that I put myself and my family at risk of being hurt, and even though we have been hurt in the past that 's not you all, you all are here like this it's not like but like we will be genuine in our love for you, and it's real. It's it's not fake. Um, okay, I'm running out of time here. So the church at large. <clears throat> just a couple of things I got to all off. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of Bible verses. I'm not going to have time to go through them exhaustively, exp- expositorily. Uh But in Matthew chapter 16, this story at Caesarea, um, Caesarea Philippi. Where Jesus goes, he asks the disciples, who do do people say that I am? They all go around, they identify that he's the Christ, he's the son of God, he is the Messiah. And at that moment, Jesus says, I will build my church. He says, I will establish this thing that we're all participating in. Don alluded to this earlier. The church is not the building. The church is not this plot of land. The church is y'all. It's us together. It's the people, it's not the building. The building could burn up and go away, and thats I'm not saying that's great, that's wonderful, but, but after going through COVID, like we would just meet at the lower lot, and we would be the church. God gave the church this building to use, and we're thankful for it, but even if he takes it away through whatever, the church is still going to gather. Um, and I do think that through COVID, we saw that. We had to grapple with things like, what is the church and I do think that through COVID, the irreducible minimum of what I think the church is, is there's prayer, there's worship through music, there's worship through the, the teaching of the Bible, and, and there's fellowshipping with one another. These are things that God has called us to, and that, that through COVID, I have reasoned that I will continue to do regardless. God doesn't guarantee us safety in the scriptures he calls us to faithfulness, and the only well, the only safety he calls us to is his presence through Christ, and that could mean through death. Moving on, the Great Commission. The church has been called to reach the lost. God in his sovereignty and in his plan, he's decided to take those people who have been saved by grace through faith alone to be his advocates to reach a world that is lost without him. We live in a state where a huge portion of Christians are fleeing the state. People are leaving. This is a place where Christians should be flocking to, to be missionaries to our state. And so as, as like our church isn't relocating and moving to Idaho or Texas or Tennessee. There are wonderful churches there and there's wonderful things doing, but Grace Point Church, God has placed Grace Point Church in Valley Center to reach Valley Center and the surrounding areas until he returns. Like, so the church isn't, this church isn't going anywhere. We might have Parts of the church leave, but we are called here. And we've been called here to reach the community around us that is without Christ. My commission as a pastor is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And we're told there that that he has given pastors to equip the body of Christ for the work of service. And so my role here, first and foremost, is to teach the word of God to y'all. And as the word goes out, somehow his spirit takes what comes out of my mouth from his word and it commingles with the word and goes into your heart and then convicts you and leads you to then fulfill what you have been called to do. It's not for me to do everything. My my role is my role and the church has been called to do things. This isn't a church where the pastor does everything and I praise God for that. So the inner workings of a church. Um, at the very end, the passage that I read of chapter 3 of First Timothy, it says, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. This sort of comes after all of the chapter. He's laid out elders in the church, deacons in the church, how the church, the, the sort of the, the structure of the church and how it's to play together. I am not a title guy. I hate titles. I hate giving name tags. There's only one person in our church who has a name tag, and it's Robert. Robert is the chosen one to have a name tag. So he is the only one with his name and the church logo because he takes his job very seriously. And so so Robert is a huge blessing, but he's the only one. Um, Our our church is the body, is people. Um, God calls different people to do different things. We we have... um, Elders within the church, I'm deeply thankful for the last two years. These men who have been there to sort of steady uh, the ship, to be there, to give wisdom and input, and to help me to navigate the difficult times to be there as an encouragement. Uh, there's Rick Restivo. He's right there. Um, Don is in the back. You guys know Don. Scott is helping his his in-laws up in L.A. today. There's Jim Reeser, who is somewhere right, right behind—yeah, you guys sat right next to each other— and John Johnson, and so i 'm deeply thankful for these men who are there to to help us as a church to think through and to navigate uh, trying times and good times and wonderful times i 'm just there, there aren 't words that express my gratitude for these men. Deacons are much harder for me um, because this is where it 's like the name tags these these are deacons are men and women who who serve. Who are servants who come behind the scenes to to, to do things um, to free up myself from doing the work that God has called me to do. And it's 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 too difficult for me to put labels to people. And so what I wanted to do is if I say something, please stand and remain standing. So if you lead a Bible study, a prayer meeting, Bible Bingo or Ladies and Lattes, calling out a couple of people that I think might not want to stand, will you please stand? <laughs> if, if you have hosted a Bible study or a fellowship like Ladies and Lattes or Bible Bingo, please stand. Like if you've hosted anything. If you teach or help With children's Sunday school, will you please stand up? If you participate with the worship team, will you please stand up? If you help with greeting, ushering, or praying, please stand up. If you've participated with cleaning the church or any sort of maintenance, please stand up. If you have volunteered for things like summer nights, please stand up. <laughs> Everybody's like going, and I'm not going to have them stand up, but then there's a security team that keeps us safe. Um, I, I, and I'm sure even with this, like I've missed it, but there are people who serve and give themselves that the church, like I don't do the church. The church is y'all, and there are people who serve and give themselves, and that's what the Bible has called us to you. You guys can sit down. Like, I, I thank all of you for serving selflessly because of what the church does. I truly am free to do what God has called me to do. Like, i me say, well, you're doing too much. I'm like, what exactly am I doing? Because I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Like, I feel like I really am free to, to lead and to teach as God has called me to. All right, the body. That's you. If this is your church, you're a part of the body. Uh, early in my Christian life, when I first became a Christian, I went to a church, and I felt like all the spots on the team were taken. And I didn't, I didn't sense that there was anything that I could do or participate in. And I wasn't mature enough in my faith to know what was going on in my heart, but I, I sensed that I was supposed to be doing something, but everything was sort of covered. And then from that church, another church started. And at the new church, it was like this instant mega church and they made it very clear that they needed anybody who was willing to help, and it didn't matter. And so then that sort of that itch within me, I realized that, that God was calling me to do something, but I still had the problem that I was an active-duty Navy SEAL, and I was on the road something like 200 days out of the year, so I didn't know how I was to sort of put these two things together. And so I went to the pastor, or ate one of the pastors, and I said, what can I do? This is my problem. He said, can you smile? I said, sometimes. And he said, can you shake people's hands? I said, yes. And he said, what I want you to do is to be an usher greeter. So when you're in town, you smile, shake people's hands, welcome them, help them get seated. And so what I realize now in hindsight, what was happening in me that I didn't know and couldn't identify at the time is that there were two Bible verses working within me that if you are a Christian, these Bible verses will be working in you. The first is Ephesians 2.10. Everybody knows verses 8 and 9. For by grace, you've been saved through faith alone, not of works, nobody can boast, yada, yada. The rest of it, I'm bad at Bible memory. I didn't go to (laughs) Juanas. But then there's verse 10. Nobody knows that verse. And in that verse, we're told that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And so if you're a Christian The Bible says very clearly that God has prepared things for you to do connected to his church and his service. 1 Peter 4.10 reads, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so the point here is if this is your church, my responsibility is to help you discover your gift. There's at least a gift we know from 1 Peter That you would begin serving it because as you serve, as you say, Lord, here I am, use me. I want to be used by you. I want to honor you. As you do that, God begins to steer you and to grow you in your relationship with him. 100%. Like as you start serving and realizing that, that the Christian life is more than just about you and that God has a purpose for you, like you begin to grow. And I can assure you that we as a church, if you are a part of this body, we need you to exercise your gift because God has created you uniquely to be you and he's gifted you uniquely to participate and to serve. And I don't necessarily know what that is. So some of my downsides, like there are implications for my style. Because I shy away from titles, I shy away from going, oh, I want to do this. And here's a person that's just sitting there, so let me force that person into that. There's a lot of places that operate like that. I will not do that. My, I desire God to prompt and to move people into the place where they can serve. And so I want you to get involved, but often what it looks like here is somebody will come to me and say, I think we should do that. And I say, I think that's a wonderful idea. When do you want to start? You know, and then... So there's a lot of people, Rachel made. she's like, I, what do you think about this ladies and lattes? I'm thinking that's wonderful. Go for it. Run with it. Man, she's, she's going with it. And I think that this, the key is, is that I want you to do what God wants you to do. Like, you need to be faithful to him. And I'm not God, and I can't see. All I know is I have a responsibility to help you, equip you, enable you to fulfill your calling. And so my desire is to be accessible to each of you. okay. Finally, almost, Uh, financial matters, the thing that everybody loves to talk about. Um, I want to share our philosophy of money. Um, The philosophy of money here is that we are stewards of that which God provides to us. We are not a for-profit company that's trying to, like, raise our revenue or do anything like that. Um, It's what has God given to us, and then we from there manage that. When I first arrived to the church, the church was on fumes, like literally on fumes. Um, We now have an emergency fund of about six months or so, masomenos. We have been debt-free since 2012. I got here in 2007. We got the building paid off, and so we've been debt-free. We commit every month to give to our missionaries, Monetarily every month, also through visiting them, encouraging them through packages as we're able to. We only teach about the bi- money as it appears in the text as we go through books of the Bible. As it comes up, we then teach about money as it comes up. We believe 100% in grace based giving. Um, even more so since COVID. Um, we used to take an offering and May 13th or March 13th, of 2020 was the last time we took an offering. We used to have a time of offering. We used to pray. We used to pass the basket, which there's nothing wrong with that. We stopped doing that two years ago. And so even more so, I love the culture of that it's grace-based. The only exception that we've had in this is if there's a need for a missionary, we'll let a need known for a a missionary. Um, God has been very gracious to us as a congregation. This isn't a setup for a big special offering or anything like that. Um, like, and I recognize that God's graciousness is fueled through you all. Like, the people of the church are the ones who give. Um, like, I came here with a family of three, and now I have a family of six. I'm full-time here. Like, I'm able to do what I do full-time, and we're paid, we're compensated, we have benefits, we're taken care of, we are super, super grateful Also, talking to Melanie, she would say the same thing. She is super grateful. We have two full time staff here. Um, we are deeply grateful for how God has provided through you all so that we can survive in a very expensive town, in a very expensive city, in a very expensive state, that we can live and thrive here. Um, really not having to worry about how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to care for them? How am I going to care for my retirement? How am I going to do these things? God um, has provided uh, to us through you all, and we are deeply grateful for that. And I also say that, like, it's a very weird thing being a pastor because I'm in a vocation where the vocation and the paycheck are two totally separate things, um, the last two years, like not knowing like through this, would our salary go away? Melanie's like, I'll go work at Co- Trader Joe's. I'm like, I don't, know if, I don't know if UPS is hiring. But like if we had to get a job like a, 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 to provide for our family, that doesn't mean that I wasn't going to be the pastor here. It just means that I needed to figure out how to care for my family. And so I'm deeply uh, grateful that we haven't had to do that. Like for 15 years, I've not missed a meal. I probably should have missed a, or missed some, you know, probably because I chose to. Um, Scott is out of town today. Scott is an elder. He helps with the finances. Scott and his vocation, he was a police officer. He's a retired police officer who investigates white-collar crime and people stealing money, and he's a fiduciary as an attorney. And, and you have Debbie, who's a bookkeeper, who her dream job, which is – to be an undercover FBI bookkeeper, to find people stealing money. So, so we have a very strong team in place. And I, and I just, from this, on the financial matters, I am just so, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, people say, well, like, are, like, where, how, like, where's the money going? I'm like, we're, really, we're a small church. We have two staff members. Like, our largest item is, is payroll. Then we have missionaries and then the stuff that we do around here. So I am deeply grateful that this church cares enough about us as staff to really care for us. Um, so that I don't really have to put my application into to, um, UPS because I really don't want to work for UPS. Um, okay, to conclude, the very last verse of 1 Timothy chapter three is is verse sixteen. And the point of this is this was an old hymn that they believe was goes back like to the very early times of the church, and as. Paul tells Timothy about how the church is to order itself. He says, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh, speaking of Jesus, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed amongst the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. There's a lot there that's kind of like, I'm not sure what that's saying. But when I step back from it, I can tell you it's saying that Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is at the center of all that we do. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. It's the Lord's church. And we are under him. And I one day will stand before him for how I shepherded this church. Hebrews 13, verse 17 is a verse I don't think is fair as a pastor, but it tells me that I'm not only going to give an account for my soul, but I'm going to give an account for all of your souls and those who are under my teaching And so because of that, I take the teaching of the Word of God very seriously because I am going to give an account before my Savior when I die. I'm committed to growing this body spiritually. Numerically is a different thing. What God does, He does. I want you all to grow. But as Chuck Smith said, while he was still alive, healthy sheep reproduce. And if we're healthy sheep we will naturally reproduce and we'll have the Lord's heart and we'll want to reach our neighborhood around us. Our reach is Valley Center, Escondido, and the surrounding areas. We support missionaries, the missionaries that we support, our Alternatives Medical Clinic, uh, Camp Julian Oaks. We are newly taking on Camp Julian Oaks. They've been a part of what we've been doing for so long. Um, And now we're going to take them on sort of the Mexico out orphanage has sort of, they've run into some issues and the kids aren't there and it's just not, it's just not what it was. And so we're kind of shifting our attention to Camp Julian Oaks. I personally feel really convicted. Daniel's been, when did you, like 10 years, 15 years, like forever? 14 years. Like the Fredericks family has been really involved in Camp Julian Oaks. I've been hesitant in going out there and I think God is saying, no, Gunnar, it's time for you to go get involved. The reason I am hesitant in in going there is because of my childhood. Um, I think all of you know the last time I saw my biological mom is when I had to testify against her in court. I was an abused kid. Camp Julian Oaks is for children that are in the foster care system that come from really harsh environments. And there was a side of me that was afraid to go because it's too close to home. But God is saying, Gunnar, grow up. It's time for you to go be an encouragement to these kids because you might have something to share with them. Um, we support Indian Bible College with the Manning family. We support the Guest family in Romania. There's already a number of people who are already ready to make a trip out there, so we can do that later. Uh, the Wagnells are in Kenya. The Wagnells will be rotating back home uh, to care for their kids. They feel like they've reached a place where, for their family's sake, they need to return, so they'll be coming back to the San Diego. Joe will be getting a job with uh, Northrop Grumman or something like that. And then Lindsay Gray, who is a pilot in Kenya, we support her. There's Juan and Maria in Spain, the Tans in Taiwan, and the Howards in Japan. And so we are committed to having real relationships with those who we support overseas. Um, again, said it before, but I want to say it again as I close. There is no perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, you wouldn't be accepted. <laughs> like, you, they wouldn't take you. <laughs> like... No offense. (laughs) They wouldn't take me either. Like, there there is no perfect Christian. There's only a perfect Jesus. He is the only one, and we desperately need His blessing and His help as we move forward. And so with that, I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to ask that you would stand up, and I'm going to lead us in prayer, ask that God would lead us as a church. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord. As a being brought to this church by you, Lord, 15 years ago for me and my family, uh, it's been a beautiful thing. We are deeply grateful, Lord, that you have chosen us to shepherd uh, this beautiful church. I thank you for each of the individuals that are here. Father, each of us are here for a different of reasons. For those of us who call Grace Point Church their home, Father, I pray that as we stand before you today, that we would consecrate ourselves to you, that we would allow you uh, to do your work in our lives, in and through us. Father, that if we have gifts, which the Bible tells us that we do, I pray that you would help us to exercise the gifts that you've given for your glory and our benefit. For those that are visiting, Lord, um, maybe they're passing through from out of town, maybe they're just checking out a church, but Father, I pray that you would help them in their journey with you, that they would know Christ and that they would be plugged in uh, in a church family where they can be cared for and loved. And Father, we, again, are just deeply grateful for all that you are doing in our midst. I thank you for our church family. I thank you. Lord, I'm just deeply in love with this church. And I pray that you will continue to lead us for many years to come. I pray that you would use us to be a light to our community, Uh, In a state that is so dark and is so lost, what we need is Jesus here more than ever. And so I pray that you would use us uh, to be a light for you, that we would spark a spiritual fire in our state. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. Amen.